Hi, welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Wise Guys podcast. I'm Carson Baskin, and this is my uh, lovely accomplice, Zach Barger. And we're here today to answer some of your questions about the market here in Austin. What's up, guys? Welcome to the podcast, Carson. Well done there. You know, I, I, I do what I can. It's all these years of training. It just it wears off, you know? <laughs> indeed, indeed. So uh, this week, we're going to do some mailbag questions from some listeners, um, just some questions that y'all had about real estate. We'll dive into it in future episodes. Feel free to reach out to us and we will get all of your questions answered. So we got this week, sir. All right. Well, so to start out, we've got a couple of questions from Dan. Uh, first of all, Dan wants to know, when is a good time for you to get a new appraisal to try and get that PMI or private mortgage insurance taken off of your loan? Zach, what do you have to say on that? Right, so that's a really good question. So to give you an understanding of what PMI is, PMI is, PMI is private mortgage insurance. Basically, this is insurance that's put in place for the bank. This is to protect the bank in the event of your default on the loan. Basically, they have, they're paying insurance companies to cover any losses that they might incur from the foreclosure of a property. Now, if you're getting a loan and you're putting less than 20% down, the bank is gonna see you as a riskier um, individual to lend to. So they're going to put this PMI, this private mortgage insurance, um, into your loan. So it's an additional monthly cost that you will incur as part of your monthly payment. Now, if you're putting more than 20% down, this PMI doesn't exist. But if you say you buy a home with a 5% down conventional loan, and within three or four years, you've achieved roughly that same 80% loan to value that you could have done if you put 20% down, you have the opportunity to get a reappraisal. And when you get that reappraisal, once you achieve 78% loan to value, on the value of your property compared to the loan amount left on your um, on your statement, then you can have the private mortgage insurance removed. So to answer Dan's question, um, now that you have a better understanding of what that is, is once you think you're around that 78% loan to value number, you should go ahead and get that reappraisal done. Now, um, anybody that's listening to this, if you're interested in finding out what your home is worth right now, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to run comps for you and give you an idea of what that appraisal number would come in at and then look at what your loan to value is to see if it makes sense to pay to have that appraisal done. Um, generally speaking, your mortgage insurance, depending on the value of your home, is going to be you know, a few hundred bucks a month. So having that removed off of your mortgage um, statement each month is a pretty substantial saving. So once you achieve that 78%, we definitely want to try to uh, get that taken off. Does that answer the question there? I think so. Uh, okay, so this next one is actually very near and dear to my heart. Uh, being, you know, an enormous person, I have special needs in my home. <laughs> and let's say I want to do a major improvement or there's some big project I'm looking to get a little, you know, cushion capital for. Uh, what is a good time for me to consider getting a home equity loan? Like what level of equity should I be to really consider that as a realistic opportunity for me? For sure. The answer to this question is, as with many real estate questions, is it depends. It depends. <laughs> it depends, right? Um, in general, the the rules that go along with HELOCs, the home equity line of credit, generally speaking, you need to have at least 90% uh, combined loan to value. So the money you take out plus the money um, involved on the rest of your mortgage is um, less than 90% of the value of your home. Now, um, Generally speaking, you don't want to push it that close. But if you're looking to just do like a, a project, if you've got anywhere from, you know, 80% up in your house, then that can be a good time to use that money. Now, a home equity line of credit, you can take that line of credit out 
and you don't have to use that right away. So this can be a good way to set away, set aside cash. You're only paying on what you actually draw from that line of credit. So you're not making any interest payments if you're not taking anything out. So you can, sometimes you can get these programs done as, for as cheap as a hundred bucks to get the, the equity line of credit taken out and then just don't draw on it until you need that money. It can be a great way to, to fund projects. It can also be a great way to take money out of your current home and allow you to buy other properties as well. So um, with this, you definitely wanna make sure that you have a game plan to pay it back. Generally, the terms on these are between five and 30 years, and you wanna look at what that's gonna add to your monthly payment. Um, obviously, it's gonna be in addition to your regular mortgage. So if that still fits within your budget and allows you to achieve the goals that you're looking at, then it's a good time to do so. If it extends your budget too much, then it's something you probably shouldn't um, explore. But it can be a great way to give you the funds you need to, uh, to take on some project, whether it's a home renovation or if you're wanting that money for a different investment or things along those lines on kind of a shorter term basis, it can be a great way to access, access cash. Wait, so you're saying I have to pay it back? <laughs> yeah, that is uh, the key uh, element of a loan, yes. Now, I know with our the caliber of listeners we have in this program, that's not something any of you are considering. But uh, <laughs> uh, we have a question from our listener, Steele, here. Steele wants to know if there are any particular areas you're seeing investor clients jump at right now. Uh, honestly, what we're seeing from investor clients right now over the, the majority of the market is kind of just a sit and wait um, type feel to the environment right now. Um, the big things that are happening, the basic numbers that you would expect to see for a lot of investment projects just aren't making sense right now. In general, in Austin, it's hard to cash flow on a property because our property taxes are so high that's in general in Texas. Uh, but in Austin, with our rising home prices over the last few years up until this year, um, that has caused the cost of property taxes to go way up. That in combination with the high interest rates has made it to where it's basically impossible to buy a property in Austin with 20, 25% down and have that property cash flow. So we're seeing a lot of investors that would be looking for like long-term investments with using leverage, kind of sit on the sidelines, wait for property taxes to come down a little bit, wait for rates to come down a little bit, as well as wait for rent rates to rise. We haven't really seen rent rates rise as much as I anticipated mm -hmm. um, with the, the slowdown in purchases. Um, I, we I, we kind of thought prices were going to go up a little bit higher on the rent rates, but they just just have they stay pretty steady. So because of that, your cash flow numbers, if you're buying into this market right now, really don't make sense. There is some opportunity. We're seeing some people do some fix and flips and start positioning themselves for longer infill um, projects. Uh, but really, where the investors that are making moves right now are in a really strong cash position. That's really what the opportunity is right now for buying for long-term appreciation or buying for long-term development projects where you're able, where you're not having to leverage money because le money's more expensive right now at the higher interest rates. So that's where we're seeing most of the people take action. So we're seeing that in more central Austin areas where people are just kind of positioning themselves and getting, honestly getting deals on lots in comparison to what we've been um, able to purchase them for over the last few years, uh, as well as just buying in up and coming areas and buying long-term uh, rentals, so newer-ish homes that they're just turning into rentals. And if you have plenty of cash and you're not needing to leverage that, you can cash flow a property uh, pretty easy 
here. And then the other thing that I'm seeing, I am seeing some people do some creative financing. So this is where you're finding properties that you can assume the loan or take over the rights to a loan um, and the, the property without having to get new financing. You're using the financing that's already in place. That's a way that some people are um, finding a way to invest in this market right now. Gotcha. So the stars at night are big and bright, but so are the property taxes. Got it. <laughs> true that, true that. All right. So uh, in the kind of that same vein, Steele also wants to know what areas of Austin you think are really up and coming in terms of their overall value and just good buys. For sure. So generally speaking, when we look at property values in the city of Austin, we start, see the highest price per square foot numbers right downtown. So the Frost Tower just t- tends to be the focal point of our values and we kind of build, go out from there. Uh, there's a few like natural barriers that we see where property values um, tend to shift a little bit. Traditionally, I-35 has been uh, kind of a barrier where once you get east of I-35, you see a dramatic decrease um, in the price per square foot. That's started to catch up quite a bit as we've seen a lot of development on the east side. Uh, but then honestly, the, there's not a lot of growth area left in like central Austin. Like we're basically working on trying to create more density in central Austin. So there is some opportunity there, but where we're seeing a lot of growth, uh, to really lean into Steele's question is more on the outskirts and the suburbs area of Austin places that I really think are great values. Um, as far as your price per square foot right now and your proximity to Austin, along with um, the commute ease to getting to downtown Austin and then solid schools. I think there's a lot of development. Uh, I really like a lot of development down in Southeast Austin. I like the Easton Park area. Uh, I think, you know, 10 years from now, Easton Park is going to be very equitable to what we see Circle C as now, where it's, you know, solid schools, a lot, a lot of uh, entertainment in the area. You have all your day-to-day needs right there. Um, and just a really nice um, suburban neighborhood. Easton Park is definitely on that trajectory. Um, they're looking to build out 10,000 homes over the next decade or so, and that community already is really, um, really a nice spot. So I think that's a really awesome um, place for value. And then areas like Pflugerville and Kyle, those are both um, great areas where pretty easy commutes to downtown. Uh, to downtown Austin, as well as solid schools. And then just uh, there's a lot of growth, a lot of investment going to those areas for just your day-to-day type stuff, as well as entertainment options down there as well. Gotcha. Well, great. Thank you very much. So my next question I'm actually informed on because I pay attention to the stats that Zach helpfully posts on his Instagram every week. But I know (laughs) that the number of active listings in Austin is up right now. Yeah. So do we see us getting to a place where the increase in supply leads to a drop in price? I don't think so. Um, the main reason is, is the majority of people in Austin and honestly across the country right now have a ton of equity in their in their home. So what we're seeing right now, there is a lot more opportunities for buyers, but we're also seeing sellers staying pretty stubborn. Um, prices haven't really come down. What we've seen a lot of are people put their homes on the market, not get the price that they want and just take their home off of the market because they're in a position where they have a really low interest rate on the house. Most of them have, you know, 30, 40% equity in those homes or more. Um, so they're not in a, a position where they have to sell. Now that being said, there's always situations in any market where you have some have to sellers where as buyers, there's opportunity to um, beat some people up in, in negotiations and get, get those prices down. But for the most part, Prices are, are holding steady. The reality is um, right now the median home price in Austin is $541,000, which is only is down less than 1% year over year. 
And we've pretty much been flat since last May. We saw our big drop um, last May, and we've pretty much been between 520 and 560,000 for our median home price since that time frame. So it feels um, like things are are really going down, but it and the reality is, is the numbers show that that drop happened a year ago, and we stayed pretty flat since then. And I I can expect that to continue for. Um, the near future. There are going to be a lot more homes out there. There is a lot of more opportunity for buyers. You have uh, a lot more choice. You have a lot more leverage in negotiations um, and, you know, a lot more opportunities. But the reality is that sellers aren't having to sell. So they've been pretty stubborn with the pricing until sellers are in a position where they have to sell and there's a big number of people have to sell. My expectation is our median home price is going to stay pretty pretty stagnant for the months and probably even a, a year or two um, from now. The, once rates come down, that's when we'll likely see that wave of demand come back. Um, I don't think it's going to be as dramatic as we thought it was going to be if like if we got back down into the fours quickly. I don't I don't think we'll see where we'll be back into like the 15 or 20 percent um, year over year appreciation numbers like we had in 2022 um, and or sorry, 2021. But uh, we will get back to where we're seeing steady appreciation, you know, five to eight percent a year, um, like we've seen, you know, for the decades previous to this. Gotcha. So. Well, you've certainly given us a lot to think about today. Uh, I guess my last question is if you personally were looking for an investment property in Austin, what would you look for in that? Like what, what kind of uh, attributes in a home do you think make for a good investment? Right for sure. Now? Uh, for me personally, I'm looking for something that I can hold long term that's not going to have a lot of maintenance in it and that's going to cash flow with the opportunity for solid long term appreciation. The reality is, is in Austin's market right now, that's either going to take um, a good chunk of cash to where you're putting more than a standard like 25% down for an investment property um, to allow you to get to those numbers that would allow it to cash flow or you're looking there are some opportunities kind of on the outskirts like talked about like pflugerville and kyle that entry level housing where there's some good quality housing um the rent rates in those opportunities are high enough in those um places they're high enough to where you can get close to buying a property for roughly 25 percent down and cash flowing on a monthly basis and putting yourself in position to take advantage of that long-term appreciation um, in austin's market gotcha so that would be where I'd be looking. Good to know, man. Good to know. So uh, I think we've had a lot of good info here today. And it sounds like, you know, we're hearing from a lot of people that the outlook is pretty bleak. It sounds like there's actually a lot of opportunity for buyers right now. Yeah, would you? for sure. There, There is a ton of opportunity for buyers right now. I think what we're, it, our market feels slower. I, I honestly, it's slower. It's about 40% less close transaction at this time of the year as compared to 2019. Um, the reason I comparing it to 2019. 2019 was more of like a regular year. Once we got into 2020, we had- I can't uh, think of anything <laughs> weird that happened then. Once we got into 2020, we had the pandemic, which we had like this big lull for like a couple of months and then just like this crazy wave of activity. So the, the activity numbers in the year 2020 aren't really a, a great gauge for, you know, a, a regular year. And then 2021 was, so chaotic that we saw insane volume happening because it was just um, like a gold rush. People swooping up every single house, there's 20 offers on every house. It was really intense. So 2019 was more of like a balanced, steady market that was appreciating that we can compare it to. And our closed sales volume 
to this point in the year is down about 40% from there. So we're seeing a lot fewer transactions. And I think a lot of that is, is because we're seeing a lot less of people selling their homes and then buying a new home because the interest rates are so inhibitive. So we'll, if somebody's in, a, I mean, a lot of people in this market right now bought their house, they have a 3% or maybe even less interest rate and they have their homestead exemption in place, which is helping keeping their property taxes down. And if they look at the prospects of cashing in on the equity on their home right now and then going to buy, you know, a house that's, you know, a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars more than what they're selling theirs for, they're not making a huge jump in size or location, but they're making a huge jump in their monthly payment because the tax component is gonna be much, much higher because the homestead exemption is not gonna cap it. It's gonna be the assessment's gonna be based on the value of the home that they're purchasing it at their purchase price. So that number will go way up. And then with your interest rates, you're looking at a much higher uh, monthly payment. I'm just giving you an example. If you bought a house for 400,000 with 20% down at a 3% interest rate um, with you know 2.2% property taxes in Austin, your monthly payment's gonna be roughly 2,200 bucks a month. You buy that same house, $400,000 in Austin right now with a 7% uh, interest rate, you're looking closer to 3,200 bucks a month. So same house, same location, just different timing makes a huge difference on what you're paying on a monthly basis. So because of that, we're seeing a lot less upward mo uh, movement that we would normally see from individuals selling their house and moving into you know, a more expensive house just because those costs are so inhibitive. So to back it back to your question, where's the opportunity? Because of that, I think there's a lot of opportunity for first time home buyers. Like if you don't need to sell a house and you're just looking to buy a house, there's so many options out there right now. You have a lot of leverage in the negotiations. Um, there's different financing options. So if you've been on the fence about buying a house for a long time um, due to not being able to compete with a lower down payment, now nobody has any issue with allowing you to buy a house or get, putting you in a position to buy a house with 5% down because you're not competing against um, other offers as well as we're not gonna have issues with appraisals because appraisals are making value now because they've cut, we've caught up to the market. Whereas before, prices were going up so quickly that we were having to go way above list price when we would put an offer on a place and then the appraisal would come in short because they're looking backwards at comps. So you'd have to bring more cash to the table, making it very difficult for individuals that weren't putting 20% down or more to purchase a home. Now, if you're looking to buy with 5%, 3%, or even if you're buying with a VA or an um, um, USDA loan where you're putting 0% down, those loans are have an opportunity to win offers and get you in a position where you can get into a house for a very low down payment. Now, the thing that we have to make sure that we're careful of in those situations is that we're building a framework that works for you on a monthly basis, that we're operating within that budget. Um, and because of higher interest rates, there are, it is going to be substantially more expensive at this time in Austin to for a monthly payment compared to rent, right? Um, just because of the higher interest rates. But long term, you're putting yourself in a position where you're paying um, your monthly mortgage payment towards yourself rather than in funding your your landlord's investment, which is something that we definitely want to put you in that position to do. And long term, Austin is a great place to live. That is not going to change. People are going to continue to move here. We've got good weather for the most part. I know we have had insanely hot, uh, insanely hot summer, but uh, when we get into the winter and we're still having seven degree days and things along those lines, it's gonna be more desirable. There's a lot to do here. You've got UT, you have obviously all the music scene, the great food, that's not going away. People are gonna wanna live in Austin and are gonna continue to move here. 
because of that, we're going to see long-term growth. Um, the, the slowdown we're seeing now is necessary because of how fast things were growing. Um, but I say all that, now is a great, great time to position yourself in Austin's market. This is going to be one of the best opportunities to buy um, a house in Austin probably for the next couple decades, honestly. Um, I don't know how long the slowdown is going to last. It could be a year, it could be two years, but any time in this time frame, if you're in a position um, to comfortably purchase a home and, work, and you're working within your own financial fr framework, you're going to look like a genius a few years from now um, when you're able to access this market like it is right now. So. Awesome. Yes, sir. Well, thank you very much, man. That's a lot of great info. And, you know, I really appreciate all of you tuning in today. I know these podcasts have been a great resource for me personally, and I hope they have been to you too. Join us next month for the Real Estate Wise Guys podcast, and please send in any questions you may have to Zach. He's a great resource, and we're here for you guys. Thanks, my friends. We'll see you next time.